Welcome to Main Thing Radio with Pastor David Fountain of Calvary Chapel, Miami Beach in Miami Beach, Florida. Join us as Pastor David teaches through God's Word. of our own pride, of of getting puffed up with self-righteousness and enjoying confrontation and calling people out, putting people down. That is reviling, that is sin that ironically you would need to be confronted about. We have to guard against that temptation towards self-righteousness. It's easy to call someone out on their sin, but when was the last time you looked at your own sin? Confronting someone about a sin doesn't do any good if you are doing it out of your own selfish ambition. Today, Pastor David is going to remind you to proceed with caution and take a look at your own heart before approaching others. Stick around after today's message from Pastor David. I have quite a bit of information that I'd like to share with you. Our web address, podcast subscription information and our contact information. Now here's Pastor David in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 5 as he continues his message, Godly Judgment. In 1 Corinthians 5, 9, chapter 5, verse 9, Paul says, I wrote to you in my previous letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. Not at all meaning the sexually immoral of the world or the greedy or the swindlers or the idolaters since then you would need to leave the world. But I am writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother or sister if they're guilty of sexual immorality or greed or an idolater or reviler, right? One who's reviling others, calling people out, calling names or a drunkard or swindler, a cheat. Don't even eat with them. What have I to do with judging those outside? Is it not those, though, inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside, but it is our responsibility, he says, to purge the evil person from among you. This is judgment, right? This is a way of us judging between one another. And in both of these passages, God makes clear that the goal is restoration and protection. I have a duty to, to look out for my brothers and sisters by confronting the sin of one who's harming others. Even if it's not overt, right? If he talks about in, in the same passage we're getting into again next week in, in chapter five, he says, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. That it, you know, it spreads. A little, little yeast spreads fast. A little, a little wickedness that we ignore, that we think of as, ah, it's fine. It spreads. It does damage out. So we need to go and have these confrontations, but with the heart of love, of gaining the brother or sister back. 
In Matthew, Jesus went on to, to talk about forgiveness in the same passage in Matthew 18. In 1 Corinthians, the way he words it a few verses earlier in verse 5 is he says, deliver the one who refuses correction. You've gone to them the once, the twice, the three times. You've, you've had these conversations and they're not hearing it. Deliver them over to Satan. Put them back in the world for the destruction of the flesh that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. He says, if you, if you really, really don't want to hear what God says, you don't trust your brother to bring it to you, you don't trust the many brethren to bring it to you, you don't trust the whole church authority to bring it to you, all of that. He's like, then you put them back in the world and let them live in it that they might realize, okay, I was wrong. And they come back. And the man who he applied this to specifically in the letter seems to have done that. In 2 Corinthians, he talks about receiving the guy back. And so there's two dangers here that I think we have to watch out for in this confrontational thing. Because on the one hand, there's the danger of our own pride, of, of getting puffed up with self-righteousness and enjoying confrontation and calling people out, putting people down. That is reviling. That is sin. That ironically, you would need to be confronted about. The, the, we have to guard against that temptation towards self-righteousness. Be going with a heart of love, looking to, to build up, to gain our brothers and sisters, to have the humility that we don't judge perfectly. But on the other hand, we need to have the humility to recognize that it is also self-righteousness to think we're more merciful than Jesus, who gave us these instructions. It's ultimately God's kindness to us that he gives us each other. He has given us to one another for this process. And it is such a merciful way to handle it because we learn through the correction, through the confrontations, right? It's, that's a messy process. To actually get in and have these conversations is challenging. And it's humbling. And so he uses that. And it builds up the, the relationships between one another. It's so much more than just mechanical. It's not just getting things right. But it's the process of working these things out together in the community. And it's by his power, by his spirit. And so again, this humbles us because we don't see rightly, we don't see perfectly, right? So if I'm going to go into the confrontation, I need to remember that. And even if I do see rightly here, eventually you're going to need to correct me about something too. Right? There's this, this process in and of itself deepens our walk with God and our connection with each other because we learn to depend on him and to to work these things out in that humility with him. And we get an interesting example of it right here in verse six. Paul now in verse six will chew out the Corinthian church. He says, these things, brothers and sisters, the things that he's laid out over the last few chapters of talking a lot about the divisions between Paul and Apollos, like them dividing into those camps. He says, I've applied these things to me and Apollos for your sakes that you may learn from us not to think beyond what is written, that none of you, that none of the other false teachers, none of the other teachers in the church, that they wouldn't be puffed up on behalf of one against another. Because who makes you differ from another? What do you have that you did not receive? Now, if you did indeed receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? And then he gets really sarcastic. He says, you are already full. You are already rich. 
You have reigned as kings without us. I wish you did reign, that we might be reigning with you when Jesus returns. But I think that God has displayed us, the apostles, last. As men condemned to death, we have been made a spectacle to the world. Both to angels and to men, we are fools for Christ's sake. But you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are distinguished, but we are dishonored. To the present hour, we hunger and thirst, are poorly clothed and beaten and homeless, and we labor with our own hands. Being reviled, we bless, being persecuted, we endure, being defamed, we entreat. We have been made as the filth of the world, the off-scouring of all things, even until now. I do not write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you. Because though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through preaching the message of the gospel to them. Therefore, I urge you, imitate me. For this reason, I sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord, who will remind you of my ways in Christ, as I teach everywhere in every church. There's some bite in that rebuke, right? That's a, that's a stern correction Paul gave because he was worried about them. They were drifting and he, he tries to go into it gently in the sense of he, this is a letter to the whole church. It's not to one person. He says he tried to avoid naming names by applying the ideas primarily to himself and Apollos. It's like rather than calling out the other guys who, they were, who were gathering followings behind them. He's using the examples of it with himself and Apollo, so he's not naming anybody in particular. Trying to be gentle in that way. But at the same time, rough enough to wake them up, which is biblical. Jesus kicked over the tables in the temple. There's a time for a rough rebuke. This was necessary because he had a unique rapport with the church, a unique relationship with them. He was the one who had shared the gospel with them. No one had told them about Jesus before Paul. He was the one who brought the gospel to them. And he lived with them for over a year and a half, almost two years. His love is the main thing. His love is the main thing. You've been listening to Main Thing Radio. Thanks for joining us today for this edition. The book of 1 Corinthians is so applicable to the issues that the modern church faces today. Within this book, we find the Apostle Paul writing to a church that was full of the Holy Spirit, but also dealing with some big problems. Throughout this study, we'll be looking at the different things God teaches us about prioritizing His way and sharing His love. As you continue to study this book, look for ways to apply God's teaching in your own life and to serve your local church. If you'd like to hear today's teaching again, or would like to explore more of these type of messages from Main Thing Radio, visit MainThingRadio.com today. Or you can download our mobile app to listen anytime, anywhere. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel. Just follow the link on the website. Again, that's MainThingRadio.com. We'd love to hear from you too if you have any questions. Or if you'd like prayer, give us a call at 305 531 2730. That's 305 531 2730. 
We're so glad you joined us today. Our time with you has come to an end, but be sure to tune in next time to keep learning from the book of 1 Corinthians. We look forward to our next edition here on Main Thing Radio.